am so pleased to welcome Marianne Cantwell to How to Build a Village. Marianne wrote a best-selling book called Be a Free-Range Human on finding your really right direction. I really enjoyed this book. I found it so inspiring on trying to find a career path if you don't fit into a box. She's also, for the last 10 years, run an online business, creating courses for thousands of people around this topic. And I was pleased to interview Marianne for the Financial Times about this. And she also gave a wonderful TEDx talk called The Hidden Power of Not Always Fitting In. For those of us who don't feel like we're just one thing. So welcome, Marianne. So happy to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you for this podcast is because you've moved a lot around the world, Um, originally from Australia, moved to the UK, now living in the US. So what has led you on that journey? I think it was, I grew up in Australia, but my parents were not Australian. So my father's English and my mother was from Mauritius, which uh, some people may know is a little island uh, just off Madagascar. So she spoke French. And so I grew up bilingual. And for me, I family was something that was elsewhere. So I was an only child. So I was really used to when I was young, we'd go to see my huge family in Mauritius, speak French to them and come back to Australia and sort of put out a different persona um, to fit into that culture. So I always knew I was someone who would probably end up traveling because I felt more at home, you know, when, when I was moving around. And yeah, that, that's what kind of started it off. It just felt like a natural thing to do. And so talk a bit about your own career journey, because of course you've helped so many people find their own paths. How did you get on this free range human path? Um, Well, it started out when, so I went from Australia to the UK straight after university. And I was meant to travel for three months um, before going back to do a PhD, which never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, I somehow talked my way into jobs in media and worked for some multinational companies. And I I never felt like I was in the right place. So from the beginning, I was just like, maybe I should go back and be an academic. Maybe this isn't my path. So I'd, I'd switched jobs a few times trying to find the thing. And I came to a realization that the thing that the freedom I wanted, the feelings I wanted, being able to use my strengths at their best, I couldn't see any job that would let me do that. And so I I thought about it and I thought, well, what if I put together my own at the time portfolio career that had elements of a couple of things that I had a background in and some things that I was really passionate about. So I kind of put together about three different things and I originally thought I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to do this sensibly. I'm going to go part time in my work. I'm going to build something up on the side. I never thought I'll take a big leap and quit my job. But uh, as things came together, I think it was the financial crash of, was it 08, the Lehman Brothers crash? Mm, yeah. So the I was at the time working for a consultancy and we had offices right behind Lehman's um, in London. And so I was on vacation for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. I was actually in the Middle East and uh, in the desert of all places. And I was mm-hmm. offline from my crazy job for five days for the first time in years get back, turn the TV on. And we're literally seeing the area I work in 
all over the screens and it's the Lehman collapse. Mm. And I'm like, what's happening? And so I go back to work because I was thinking at this point, oh, I'll go part-time. So I had this big plan. I get there and all I'm doing in my office is watching these empty offices right near us with like pot plants slowly dying because mm. no one's in them. Everyone's been, you know, lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, hold on, I'm staying here because it feels secure because I think this is what security looks like. I have no guarantee of security. Um, my boss doesn't seem to care about my well-being at all. I'm working really hard to make someone else money. What if I did this for myself? And that was the beginning of me really shifting. And within a few months of that, I ended up actually quitting completely, um, which I'd never expected to do, um, which is a great time to quit, right? In a recession. Um, when everyone's <laughs> but that was it. It was honestly that wake up moment of me just going, hold on a second, this isn't secure at all. Like, what am, what am I telling myself? I, I have a notice period that isn't that long um, that they can just fire me at. And that, that started this realization of what was possible. What's so interesting is back then around 08, portfolio career wasn't a term. And I'm doing air quotes. That's, that, that's good. So the fact that you did this without a template, you know, with that, yes. and you basically created the template that then, that then you share with other people. I mean, was that intimidating kind of figuring out what that looked like? I mean, did you have mentors who were doing it too, or did you come up with it on your own? At the beginning, um, like, I mean, at the day that I quit my job, I had an irrational view of how easy it would be. (laughs) So luckily (laughs) I was quite naive because I wouldn't have done this otherwise. I was like, I know how to do this. You know, I'm getting a lot of the business for the company I'm working for. Like I can, I can do this. Totally got it. Of course, I did not totally have it. Um, so very quickly, within a few months, I realized, wow, it is such a different game to come from coming from a background where you're working for a company or a person who is established and has a reputation to being someone who doesn't have that and has to start. So I wouldn't have quit if I had known <laughs> how tricky it would be, but I had to figure it out because you know, it was a recession. It, I could definitely have got another job at the beginning, but it would have got harder and harder as it went. So I started doing what I do when I'm unsure of things, which is I meet up with people. I try to see who I can connect with. And so I did that. I didn't know anyone who was self-employed apart from some freelance journalist friends and a novelist. So no, I had no contacts. I was moving into a bit of consultancy and career coaching. I didn't know anyone who did career coaching at all. And so I started writing a blog. I reached out to people who take guest posts. I started connecting with them. Um, I ended up uh, running workshops for, I think it was Career Shifters back then, which was well-established in London, uh, just Mm -hmm. through connecting and meeting them. So I started meeting people quite quickly. I think I wrote a piece that's on a blog, I think, that someone noticed who was writing a book on portfolio careers. Um, That's Dr. Barry Hobson, uh, who's written many books, and he became one of my mentors. And so I found through being, through creating and putting something out there, it opened, like, as in like blog posts, and today I would do podcasts, that opened doors to better conversations, because I could say, here's something I've done, and we could you know, it wasn't just me saying, I want to do this. It's me saying, I have done this. And now we could talk partnerships formed. And I started getting a business that was flowing from that. Well, one of the things I loved about your book is it, it, it's very hands-on and it has the exercises, you know, where you're imagining your perfect day and really figuring out what you want to do, but also 
figuring out what your weaknesses are and then using your weaknesses as your strengths, which is such a neat idea. So how did, how did you do that? Because of course here you had these marketing strengths and you're using that Mm -hmm. to build your business. You're obviously a great networker, but how did you A, determine your weaknesses and B, (laughs) use those as your strengths? It's such a neat concept that you don't see I love that. Because actually that's my back when I was, I was, so one of the companies I worked for was Disney. So well, back when I was working at Disney, which I was terrible at that job, the job I was in, I was like, definitely should have been fired, but wasn't. Um, so I was in this job that was not right for me. It was very much about uh, data analysis. I thought it was going to be more marketing. It was not. Um, and I had gone from being someone through school and university that was always kind of top of my class. Like I was very academic. I was totally the nerd. I would study and I knew how to figure things out. I land in the career world and a couple of jobs in, I'm at Disney and suddenly I'm underperforming and I don't know how to fix it. Mm. So this was new for me. I didn't, I was like, but I'm working really hard. I'm doing everything I can. And I keep sending back things with mistakes in them. Um, I now know that I literally have trouble seeing numbers clearly. And it was a lot about numbers. So I I make mistakes all the time when looking at numbers. Um, But the thing I was amazing at was putting together presentations and presenting. That was like 5% of my job. And I remember I was sitting next to this guy, a colleague of mine, who was great at the numbers and hated the presentation. So we were talking and I said, this is so ridiculous. I'm spending 10x the time on the data than you are and getting it wrong. And you're spending 10x the time on the presentations than I am. And it, you know, it's not what it could be. And so we went into my boss, our boss, and said, hey, why don't we, instead of taking territories together, because we had different territories around Europe, why don't we just collaborate and, you know, he does all the data, I'll do all the presentation, which we both loved. And Ross was like, no, that won't work for our corporate structure. And I was just like, <laughs> but we would perform better as a team. and We would all be happier. It's like, no. And so that reason I share that was this moment where I realized that the work world in general, not everywhere, but in general, is not set up for, for you to perform at your best. It is set up for you to fill a role that you better hope that you are a good fit for. And sometimes people get lucky. And they do find that. Um, for me, I never did. So from there, what happened was I ended up uh, connecting with someone who had run some, I think it was personality profile work at Disney, um, who was next, I think it was ex-HR director at L'Oreal or someone like that. Really lovely person. This is kind of his retirement project. And I messaged him, I think after we'd I'd done a session, like corporate funded session with him. And I said, I would love to do the work you do. Like, it's a dream for me Mm. to do that. And he was just like, you'd be amazing at it. Why don't you shadow me? And so that was before I even, this was several jobs before I quit. I had in my head, what a dream it would be to help people find their strengths and know that their weaknesses are things that might actually have a home elsewhere and be celebrated elsewhere. Through that, I ended up leaving my job moving into a consultancy mm-hmm. and where suddenly my job was to present. Suddenly my job was not to do the data. We had, there were other people who did that. I was there to put together a story and be front of house. Um, and I suddenly realized I was getting paid in that job to do the thing that there was no room for in another job. And so that moment of me going, I could have spent my entire career trying to get good at something that was you know, I'm never going to be great at. But the thing that I 
thought was like a, a bit of a weakness, like this thing where I all I could do was storytell, all I could do was put together presentations, ended up being the thing I end up building careers off from there. So one of the ways to get back to your question that the weakness thing manifests is that I always say weaknesses are strengths in the wrong environment. So I couldn't help but look at how do I weave stories together? How do I think big? Um, and in the wrong environment, especially thinking big, especially thinking, why don't we restructure the whole organization is probably not a strength. That's annoying. That's like, why does she try to disrupt everything? But if you find the right home for that, then that can be something you're actually paid for. And there's so many different things. Like for me, I'm a very sensitive person. So I actually don't think I'm a great networker because I don't do big rooms very well. I like being at the front of the room or I like being one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two. I do not like being in the room. So I, that I thought was a huge weakness at the beginning, but I thought, well, what that allows me to do is connect better one-on-one -on -one with people. Um, it, mm. So when I was connecting with people at the start of my business, instead of going, I tried networking and it was horrible. <laughs> so I would instead <laughs> go, well, at my best, I create something like a post, I share it and I connect with someone around the thing I've created. And so I, all my connections are actually one-on-one -on -one connections. So again, weakness, not great at networking. I get really socially awkward in groups <laughs> unless I know everyone. Um, what's the strength underneath that? Well, it's a sensitivity to how people are perceiving me. It's a sensitive to sensitivity to their feelings. And that means that I connect really well one-on-one -on -one with people because that, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're now mm. I've got room to feel the, how they're coming across. So I always tell our clients um, when we do this work is, the thing that you think is a weakness, just look at what trait it might be masking. What's the trait? It doesn't have, you have to find a strength. Just say, is that like, if you're very sensitive, does that just mean you read situations really well? Okay. Well, where could that be of value to you? That's so, see, I, I love how you help people uncover their own weaknesses and strengths. And one thing I found, one of the many things I found interesting in your book was when you're coaching a client and you said often it's like towards the end of the session where someone's like, oh, by the way, this little thing, like in, in your pocket, you kept, you know, you're talking and then it's like, actually the thing that they want to do is like the last thing they mentioned. I, I found that so interesting. Why do you think that is? And how often does that happen oh, where it's like the well. aha moment? It's like, just <laughs> as you're like, oh, we only have five more minutes, but actually is, this is what I want to do. Because it's too easy to count because we're conditioned to think that work has to feel hard to be of value. And mm -hmm. so if you're doing something that's in line with your strengths, there is a part of it that feels like, why would someone pay me for that? You know, some, one of the best coaches I know would her, spent years with friends telling her, you should do something around like helping people or coaching. She'd be like, no, 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 no one. That's silly. Like I just talk to people. That doesn't make any sense. Why would someone pay me for that? That that's for other people. Like, and so we always, I think the reason we skip the thing that's that's most for us because because why would it doesn't feel hard enough to count? Like genuinely don't think. Um, it either doesn't feel hard enough to count in the doing of it, or because it feels so easy or joyous or simple, we think well, where's the catch? That's the other thing I noticed is where's the catch? That must be hard to get off the ground because otherwise everyone would do it. <laughs> so there's one of those things goes on. Now, and so what other tools, like what other books have you enjoyed reading that you think kind of unlock, um, not to put you on the spot, besides your own, obviously, but that kind of uh, help 
people discover what it is they really want to be doing? Huh, this is a big question. <laughs> I think the books I read when I started, um, people have kind of moved on from. Um, so in terms of discovering what you want to be doing. Oh, actually, it's, it's one that came out more recently, but an old client of mine, Samantha Clark, who's based in London, she works for, she does a lot of different uh, things, wrote a really great book called Love It or Leave It, which is mm. the only book I know of that actually helps you decide whether you should start to leave your career or whether you should learn to love your career. Um, so I think that's such a great concept as well. And I feel like the, my book and hers are quite complimentary um, if you're not sure. So I think that that's the first thing. I also am a big fan of reading outside your field and outside the, that, those immediate questions. So anything that gets you to you know, know yourself better uh, in some way, um, really understand what feels like a yes and a no to you. So we have a bit of that in my book, um, which is you know, when you've been just running through and grinding and doing the thing you're meant to do, I find people sometimes struggle to know what is a true yes and what is a true no. Uh, and so anything that helps you recalibrate. So in my book, we do that in a section I call defrosting right at the beginning. Uh -huh. um, but a lot of the techniques I use, and I do reference them, are from uh, Martha Beck, uh, who wrote a book, Finding Your Own North Star, which was probably one of the deciding factors in me quitting my job was reading that book. So we use some techniques, which I always reference, obviously, um, to help you really sort of go, where is the yes and the no? Because I think it's that confusion that keeps people stuck sometimes. Well, I love how this, I mean, our podcast listeners, a lot of them don't fit in boxes. You know, we have a lot mm -hmm. of people who have lived all over, different citizenship, not sure exactly like where they, where they're really from, where, the, where is really home. Yes. yes. That's why I love how you cater for, for people who don't fit in the box. Now, what would you say to people then? Um, what's kind of your biggest advice for people who feel professionally don't fit into a box, how to, how to unlock their potential? Mm, I, I think the very, I mean, I always say start with personality. Like that's, you, you're the biggest asset in your career. You're the biggest asset in your business. And so if we don't start by understanding what the, what are the things that make up that biggest asset, we're always going to be grabbing for ideas. And I see a lot of times people who don't fit into a box are grabbing for ideas that sound exciting on the surface, but don't have a way of knowing how they fit. So the first thing I say is, is find a way, like understand your unique personality blend really well. Um, second thing I do is look at who you're hanging out with, who you're spending time with. Um, because if you're spending time mostly with people who maybe don't love their jobs or do love them, but they're really different to you. So they don't quite get it. I think it's hard to feel like you're the different one um, or you might have different views or you might take your own thoughts more seriously than others might. They might be like, I'll stick with it. So look at expanding who you're around. And luckily online now, there's plenty of places you can go to not feel you're like you're the only one. And if you don't know where to go, read a book, read my book. Like I always think if you don't know where to start on and you feel like you're the only person, that's what books are for. That's what podcasts are for. You can hear people's stories and go, oh, it's not just me without, without having to meet them as well. So yeah, get, get, I'd say know yourself and get, start with that and start normalizing the fact that there's going to be something different out there. And, and so what do you have coming up? What's next on, on your agenda? Loads of good stuff. Um, so uh, in terms of the business side, we are launching um, the Free Range Academy, which I think I've mentioned to you before. I'm so yeah. excited. It's the first time in, gosh, in a decade where I've put the front to end together of, you know, identifying your superpowers, uh, figuring out like 
your right free range idea, or if you have it, actually starting it, um, you know, getting it off the ground all the way to paid and coming up with a plan to keep like to to actually grow it. So it's really the front to end of that. Um, so I've just sort of bringing on a great coach who's working with me on it, and we're launching that in uh, not too long, which is really exciting for me. Uh, and personally, I'm going to be traveling more this summer, which I'm so happy about uh, getting out again after uh, all the lockdowns. Oh, that's good. Where, where are you headed? Um, I'm going to pop back to London and I'm also, I think I'm going to go to Mexico and like work out of there for like somewhere on the beach for a month or so. Oh, nice. And where can people find you? They can find me on Instagram at free range Marianne. And if you want to read my book, just go to be a free range um, or just Google me. I'm pretty, pretty easy to find on the internet. Well, wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us and sharing your tips. Look forward to seeing more. Thank you. Thank you.